On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about the once saved, always saved doctrine. We've got a special guest who's uh, agreed to discuss this with us, Tanner Adams from Galesburg, Illinois, the the Good News Baptist Church uh, uh, there in Galesburg, Illinois, and he has agreed to talk with us uh, about the doctrine of once saved, always saved. It's an important subject, and we look forward to discussing that, and we'll we'll get to it just after these introductory remarks. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome you to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday april 21st 2022 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad Jake, great to be with you jacob kyle's behind the controls tonight sweating bullets but he's uh <laughs> We're white knuckling it over there. <laughs> we, good. We, we always have whenever we try something a little different. We always have some confusion, and so we've had that tonight. But uh, we we are glad to welcome Tanner Adams. Tanner, welcome to the virtual Bible study tonight. Oh well, no! Now, now we've lost now his. We've now we lost Tanner. his audio. Hold on a minute. Oh, let's see here. He's right there. Tanner, now you're there. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you taking time to be with us tonight, Tanner, and to uh, talk about doctrinal matters. Tanner, now you are in Galesburg, Illinois, which I think is in the Peoria area. Yes, sir. It's an hour away from Peoria. Yeah, and, and, and you preach at the Good News Baptist Church in Galesburg. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I was mentioning to you before we went on the air, you know, we try very often to have guests on our program that, that have differences. You know, we, we think there's... We think that truth wins when we discuss things, even things we don't agree about. Uh, and uh, so uh, we try to, to do that as often as possible. Unfortunately, many people don't even care to try to defend what they believe, which we, which we think is sad. And, and I commend you for your uh, ready uh, uh, acceptance of our invitation to be on the program. Yes, sir. Once again, I appreciate it. You're, yeah, a lot of people uh, don't defend what they believe because... A lot of times they don't know what they believe. <laughs> I'm afraid that is too too accurate. Uh, uh, Jacob, uh, you suggested we, we uh, use this first segment of the program to, to let Tanner just sort of explain his position on once saved, always saved. Yeah, go ahead, Tanner. And, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, just let me know when uh, time is up. Yeah, well, we, we're getting a little bit of late start here, so just take as much time as you need. Yeah, yeah. It, it won't take very long, actually. And I think uh, just to start off, I think it would be best just to clarify my position. Because uh, I didn't have much time to watch a lot of your guys' videos or anything like that. But I did watch one that you guys posted on uh, September 17, 2020, called uh, Is Once Saved, Always Saved, The True Doctrine. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe uh, from the notes I was able to take, there's a little confusion on what the biblical doctrine of once saved, always saved is. Okay. Uh, just for to clarify my position, I believe that once someone is truly born again, once someone is truly saved, not like just a professor or a false convert or something like that, but someone who is actually a believer, truly born again. Um, they are from that point uh, eternally secure in Christ. Once you get truly saved, once you get truly in Christ, you are preserved in Christ. That's in Jude chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, uh, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. So once you get in Christ, you're preserved in Christ. And uh, that's a little different than how you guys were explaining it, I think, in your video. I think you guys are kind of mixing it with Calvinism. Uh, I'm not a Calvinist at all. I don't believe in any five points of Calvinism. And that includes uh, perseverance of the saints. I do not believe in perseverance of the saints. So how do you – so you say it's different. Can you can you clarify a little bit how yeah. you think it's different? Yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, you guys explained it uh, a couple different ways. Uh, one as the impossibility of apostasy. I heard you guys say that, mm-hmm. uh, which means that uh, it's impossible to fall away. Now, that's what Calvinists believe. Me, as an independent Baptist, I am uh, I believe in free will. I believe you have free will before and after you get saved. 
So I do believe it's it's possible to fall away doctrinally and practically, but you will not lose your salvation for that. And uh, once again, in Perseverance of the Saints, you guys said it's a uh, Calvin made this one of his five points of his theology, and uh, he believes once you are saved, you will persevere, and you cannot fall away. And I don't, I don't believe that. I believe uh, it is possible to fall away practically and doctrinally, but you will not lose your salvation. Once you get in Christ, you are preserved in Christ. Now, uh, preservation of the saints and perseverance of the saints are two, two different doctrines. But, um, the preservation of the saints is totally dependent upon God. Okay, God is the one who keeps us safe. First mm-hmm. uh, Peter says that we're kept by the power of God. and uh, He's the one who preserves us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he puts us in the Lord Jesus Christ and he preserves us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, perseverance of the saints um, it does have something to do with us. We do have a part in that. Okay? Um, God has given us many responsibilities when it comes to our walk with him. Our walk with him is different than salvation. Okay? It's totally different. Um, fellowship and salvation are two totally different things. So I would I would not agree with the Calvinistic uh, doctrine of perseverance of the saints. I wouldn't agree with that. So you have, you have a question? Well, let me let me read a quote to you, Tanner, and, and uh, this is a quote that you probably heard on one of our programs. We've used it before. Uh, this is a, an old quote from a man named Sam Morris, who was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Stanford, Texas. You may be familiar with it. Here's what he said: "Quote: We take the position that a Christian's sins do not damn his soul. The way a Christian lives, what he says, his character, his conduct, or his attitude toward other people." have nothing whatsoever to do uh, with the salvation of his soul. All the prayers a man may pray, all the Bibles he may read, all the churches he may belong to, all the services he may attend, all the sermons he may practice, all the debts he may pay, all the ordinances he may observe, all the laws he may keep, all the benevolent acts he may perform will not make his soul one whit safer, and all the sins he may commit from idolatry to murder will not make his soul in any more danger." The way a man lives has nothing whatever to do with the salvation of his soul. Now, that, that's a rather famous quote from Sam Morris. Uh, is it, would that define your position? Uh, yeah, it would. Okay. So, so you can be a murderer and still be saved? Uh, if it comes down to that, uh, yeah. And, but, the thing and, is, but the thing is, would a true Christian do that? That, that would be my question. That would be my question. If you're, if you're truly born again and you got the Holy Spirit uh, residing on the inside of you, I don't know if you guys believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or not. But I, I, We do believe in it. We, we, certainly the New Testament teaches, the, uh, uh, it actually uses that terminology that the Spirit indwells the Christians. But it also says God the Father and Jesus the Son dwell in us too. Uh, we, we, we believe that that's, that, that happens uh, Jesus dwells in us in our hearts by faith. Uh, I, I would. This is probably a subject we could talk about another time, Tanner. I, I don't yeah. believe in a literal indwelling that the Spirit is literally, actually inside me, except by virtue of how He influences me through the Word. Through the Word, yeah, yeah. So what yeah. about? So maybe murder is too extreme. But what about lying? Would a would a true believer lie? But a Christian, did you guys say? Or since you've been a, uh, saved, yeah, you... yeah, have you? Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So okay, so so you um, you would say that you could be saved as a liar? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, how many lies would it take for you to lose your salvation? Well, I think one, if we won't repent, would be enough to cause us to lose our salvation. Right. Exactly. So. But but what about in in Revelation chapter twenty one? verse 8 when it talks about those who be lost in the final judgment in 21.8 the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Well, I, You just said you didn't. How, well, this, how is, would you? this is talking about Christians. <laughs> well, you, great you, judgment is not talking about Christians. Wait, wait, wait. If you tell a lie, aren't you a liar? No, because I'm saved. I'm identified with Christ. Christ paid for my sins. Christ died for my sins. How do you... Uh, let me back up. Well, no, 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 but you can be a liar and 
and be a Christian. No, you can lie and be a Christian. No, you can be a liar and be a Christian. Well, we don't we're equivalent about words here, Tanner. But are you yeah. saying that that there's a difference between a Christian who lies and a person who is a liar? I, I guess that's what Absolutely. you're saying. Okay. Absolutely. Let, let, let me back up to something you said earlier, and again, we want to give you a lot, a lot of room here to, to, to say what you need to say. But yeah. you, you said, you know, that basically a person uh, who was truly saved uh, would not uh, do certain things, uh, wouldn't be lost. A person who's truly saved can't be lost. How how is it determined? I mean, how how would we detect a person who is truly saved versus someone who is a false convert? I think you used that expression earlier. How would we determine that, or how would God determine that? Well, how would you know for yourself, for instance? How would I know if if I'm if I'm truly saved versus the next guy who isn't truly saved? The, the only thing I can go off of, since I can't see the heart, only God can see someone's true heart. Right. Um, only thing I can go off of is number one, their profession, and then number two, their works. So that's the only thing. I, that's the only thing I can see, and I can hear their profession, and I can see the, how they live their life, and how the, the works that they do. That's the only thing I can see. I can't see their heart. So, so I can only go off of. So there's live. there's there's a degree of uncertainty here. So here's a guy who for. Let's say for 50 years he just lived an exemplary life. I mean, he was a he was a model Christian. I mean, he did everything right. But after he'd been a Christian for 50 years, well, maybe 50 years is a stretch. But after he'd been a Christian for 50 years, let's say he did something. Let's say he committed adultery. We we, we would have never expected it from him. Uh, I mean, because he had such a long-standing track record of just excellent service in the kingdom. Uh, would you would you have to conclude from that that he wasn't ever truly saved? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Calvinists would. I would not. Because I think it's very possible for a Christian to walk in the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, works of the flesh. I think that's possible for a Christian. Well, now, in Galatians chapter 5, it says that those who practice those works of the flesh... Uh, he, he lists the works of the flesh. He mentions adultery as one of them. And he says, I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think this is just saying that Christians could commit acts just as bad as lost people. But But it says that if you do, you can't inherit the kingdom. But you're saying... That there's a niche here for some who do commit those works of the flesh who will inherit the kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm confused by that that distinction, Tanner. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is saying if you if you a Christian do these things you're going to lose your salvation. I'm saying I think he's saying as a Christian we can do these things just as lost people. But what does it say though? It says there that they, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Right. Well. We simply have different interpretations because these right here are clearly works, and it's not de- it's not dependent upon your works. Salvation is not dependent on your works. We need to explore that a little bit at some point too. I'd like to talk with you about that connection because I think it's a I think it's a very logical connection that you make there. Um, and um, so yeah, when we get a little farther, we can talk about that. Hey uh, Tanner, let, let me let me uh, invite you to. To, to go, I, I was able to see one of your videos online also where you were preaching on this subject. And, and, and one of the arguments that you made, in fact, it was your first one, came, yeah. came from John chapter 10. Could you, could you just kind of explain your take on John chapter 10? Uh, yeah. That'd be great. Yep, let me, let me turn over there really quick to John chapter 10. I believe I started in verse 28. Right. Yeah, it says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So I believe it's, just, it's very clear that Jesus gives to us eternal life. I mean, that, that is the biblical salvation, is eternal life, not temporary life. Like, once you get it, it's eternal. It's eternal life. But to say you can lose your salvation goes directly contrary to et- eternal life in general. Did but, Adam and Eve have eternal life in the Garden of Eden? Before they ate the forbidden fruit, they had eternal life. I 
think I would have to look into that a little bit more. I would say, as of right now, I would say probably yeah, before the eight. But they but lost it. A little bit more. If, if they well, did, they lost it. They lost it. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. There's different plan of salvation in that dispensation for sure. But it's, but you said you just said eternal life is something you could lose, and I'm saying if they had but eternal the life, eternal they life that Jesus gives us. Okay. Adam did not have the eternal life that Christ gives us. Adam was way before the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me take you. Let me. Let me. Let me. Uh, we got an email from one of our regular listeners here. I'm going to let him uh, ex- uh, take uh, take a shot at John 10. Actually, I think the, con- the, the 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 sentence actually, at least the way it's it's uh, punctuated in the King James version, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I and I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So that's uh, John ten twenty seven through 29. Now, one of our regular listeners, Grant, who's in Franklin, Tennessee, said this. He said that the word, the verb here, my sheep hear, is a present indicative verb. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And the word follow is also present indicative. And so the present indicative tense suggests action in progress at the present time. And and so Grant goes on to say this verse teaches that Jesus gives to those individuals eternal life who continue to hear his voice and continue to follow him. The opposite would be true also. Jesus would not give to those individuals eternal life who do not continue to hear his voice, do not continue to follow him. This would include the individual who initially hears his voice and follows him, but then ceases to hear and follow. And that, that would be my understanding of this verse also, Tanner, that it's a, it's a conditional promise. As long as we continue to hear the voice of Jesus, that is, to hear his instructions and to follow them, then it is absolutely true that we will never perish. As long as those present tense, present indicative verbs are are true of us, we will never perish. And no one, and certainly no one can pluck them out of, no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. So we're safe. As long as we, we hear and follow, we are absolutely safe. But when we stop hearing and stop following, the promise of the passage goes away. How would you respond to that? Uh, I would just respond to how would you define follow? Well, uh, I mean, that, like, that like, what, is what, do I, what do I have to do, say, if I was a member of the Church of Christ? What would I have to do in order to keep my salvation? You, you have to do the will of the Father. You have to obey which the command. Which is what? Well, this is what the New Testament teaches us to do. And it's the example that Jesus set for us uh, in uh, uh, verse 27 of John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Yeah, so we're saying we follow. have to follow the, the, our Savior, and you're saying it doesn't matter if you follow or if you don't. No, I'm asking you, what do you mean by follow? Like, what do I have to do to keep my salvation? Well, you... Well, I, I, I could... I, I, to answer that, Tanner, I couldn't... I, I, I am not able to say, well, here's a sin. In other words, you don't have to go to church when you don't want to. Oh, I can't tell you that. I don't have the authority to tell you that you don't that, that you can just assemble when you choose to and not assemble when you don't want to. Uh, or go back to what we were mentioning earlier. I, I don't have the authority to tell a person, if you lie a little bit, that will be okay. Uh, I, I just don't have the authority. All I all I can do is teach what the word teaches, and the, te- the word teaches lie not. Uh, the, the, yeah. the 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 word teaches don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, and so that's what I teach. Uh, so someone says, "What do I have to do?" Well, you have to do what the word says. Right. Uh, that's that's the only answer I think that anybody could give. Can we? Right. Can, can we ask? So, you, go ahead. So you have to follow the whole New Testament to keep your salvation. At all times, there's not. I, I I can't tell you one part of it that I don't have to keep. Now, do I well, do do true. I do that? Question. The question is, do I do that? No, I exactly. don't do that. The, all right, I, so I, you lost your salvation. You lost your salvation. Well, what's wonderful it's, is it's impossible to keep your salvation. What's wonderful is in First John chapter one verse nine, 
It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so in regards to any sin, I can't, I, I can't tell myself or someone else, don't worry about that sin. Don't, you don't even have to think about this. You don't have to confess it. You don't have to repent of it. I, I can't yeah, say I would that. Like to, uh, I would like to clarify my position as well a little bit okay. further because uh, in your video that I watched, you, you quoted uh, Irenaeus against heresies. Uh-huh. And uh, it kind of seemed like, I don't know if you, I don't know if just what you're trying to do or anything, but, but it seemed like uh, you were saying that we believe that there is absolutely no punishment or no consequences for our sins. And I've never heard one Baptist preacher ever say that. You that, believe, hey, there are no consequences for sin. You believe there are physical consequences? Yeah, there's physical consequences. There's a loss of fellowship. First John, that's what First John's talking about is fellowship, not salvation. Um, you can lose your joy. You can lose your testimony. You can lose rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And it also brings chastisement into your life, um, which brings me to another point. God deals with us as sons now, not as lost individuals. But it brings chastisement into your life, you know? But you, can't, you know, and we would agree on that. We would right. agree with you, Tanner, that there, there's certainly this this world consequences to sin, as well as eternal consequences to sin. And so we right. wouldn't we wouldn't disagree with you that there's a, a present price to pay for sin. That that right. I, I, I and I and, well, and I'm well, afraid that a lot of sorry. people don't. I'm afraid a lot of people don't you know even think about that. But I agree with you on that absolutely. Right, because, so, because sometimes people make it seem like oh we believe that you have a license to sin. But I've never heard one preacher ever teach that in my life, ever. Tanner, can I can I take you back to John 10? You ask us what our definition of following Christ is. Yeah. What's your definition? Following Christ, believing on him. So do I have to remain a believer to be saved? You will, you will always believe. Not everyone believes. I've known some people, Tanner, for instance, who denounce their faith. In other words, they they once believed, they they confessed their faith in Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, and sometime later, maybe years later, they decide that they don't believe. Now they say they're an atheist. Yeah, I would say that that person probably was not safe to begin with. But then again, that goes into the more Calvinistic approach, which I would not. I don't like Calvinism at all, so I try to stay away from that. Okay, okay. I grant, I grant you that. All right, what about, well, what about 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1? Yeah, um, yeah. this this would get into more of my uh, dispensational type of So you, you would not think 2 Peter is, is on the table here for discussion? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It is? Well, yeah. okay, well, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Yeah. There are also false prophets among the people, even as there will also be false teachers among you. Who will secretly secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them? So, um, what about that? Yeah, I would say uh, once again, this gets into my dispensational point of point of view of uh, theology. You guys are amillennial, right? You guys. Yeah, we don't believe. No, I, I don't know that if our listeners might not even be aware. And correct me if I'm if I'm misrepresenting you here, Tanner, but. Your view is that Peter preached a gospel to the Jews and Paul preached a gospel to the Gentiles. Is that correct? No, that's not correct. Okay, tell, tell us how you... That, that's, hy- that's hyper-dispensationalism. Right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a historical dispensationalist. Uh, I do believe there's uh, different gospels in the Bible, like the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus Christ preached in his early ministry. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, when about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, that's different than the death, burial, and resurrection. Because you can clearly see that in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus first uh, revealed the death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't even understand it. But they've already been preaching the gospel of the kingdom for three years. They didn't, they didn't understand it. Okay. But they didn't understand the death, burial, and resurrection. So there's definitely different gospels in the Bible. Gospel of the kingdom, gospel of the grace of God, the everlasting gospel in Revelation 14. Um, there's different gospels, but... Uh, I do not believe that Peter and Paul were preaching two separate gospels the whole time in the Book of Acts. That's so there wasn't. Different. So in your view, there wasn't a diff, there's, there's, there was never a difference of requirement, or there was never different instructions to the Jews versus the Gentiles. Yeah, there was at, diff, at different time periods. But I mean, at, at a given point in time, both the Jews and the Gentiles would have been. Uh, so let, let's say in the last half of the Book of Acts. Yeah, the, 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 the Jews and the Gentiles would have been expected to do, uh, would have been taught 
the same things. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But here in the, I believe the general epistles have a dual application, have a double application. Um, I think the primary application is, is written to Christians, but I do believe that there is a, a secondary application to tribulation saints. And I believe that's very clear in the book of Hebrews and the book of James and stuff like that. And I believe that um, here in First Peter, it's clearly that uh, this person was saved because the Lord bought them. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that uh, this, this guy lost his salvation. But that's not a New Testament Christian. That's applicable in the tribulation period. In the tribulation period, they can lose their salvation. And what uh, what in what in the book of Second Peter causes you to believe that that's talking about in the tribulation period? Uh, well, he's talking about the day of the Lord in uh, chapter three, verse ten, which um, is future tense at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in in, in Revelation chapter one, verse nine, John said. I am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. So he, he, John suggested the tribulation was already underway in, in his lifetime. Uh, yeah, but there, there's a difference between tribulation and Daniel's 70th week. There's, yeah. There's uh, yeah. Oh man, now we're getting, we're we're wading in way deep. I, I, I'd be glad yeah. to study that with you, but I don't I don't agree with you that Daniel the the seventy week thing is is still off in the future. Hey, listen, let let, 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 us, let us take a quick break here, Tanner, and and when we get back, uh, to do fairness to a lot of our emailers, we've got we've got several comments from emailers. That we want to just we'll just sort of do rapid fire, you know, give you a chance to answer some of the questions they've asked. Oh, that sounds good. Thanks, Thank Tanner. You. And uh, let's get a break. And if you'd like to join in the, the chat room tonight, uh, you can join in there. We're not doing a lot of monitoring the chat room, as you guys know. So yeah. chat away. How about a phone call? Is this on YouTube? It is. It is. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the chat real quick. Uh, can I take a break really quick? Yeah, sure, absolutely. sure, sure. We're, we're, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. And if you All want right. to give us a call, you can speak with Tanner, 931-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word talk every Thursday night. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Bob Pritchard. In our entertainment-oriented culture, many churches find themselves trying to outdo themselves with more and more elaborate additions to worship. What began as special music by a choir becomes a full orchestra with professional soloists. A dramatic reading necessitates a full Broadway stage production, and as long as those who come to worship enjoy what is offered, anything goes. The expectation is that sermons will be shorter, wittier, and more uplifting. Anything in worship that cannot be jazzed up must be abandoned as boring. And there is nothing worse than being bored, we are led to believe. The problem with this entertainment orientation is that the very object of worship is forgotten. God is the audience in worship. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that ignorant worship was unacceptable to God, even though it may have been sincere or enjoyable. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4, verse 24. To worship God in spirit and truth means that worship must be from the heart, not just outward acts, and that it must be done in exact obedience to God's commands. The worship must be directed to him, not to the whims of the worshipers. God's regulations for worship, as set out in the New Testament, are neither boring nor out of date. They are God-centered, while entertainment is man-centered. There's nothing wrong with the worshiper enjoying worship. God intended worship to bless his children. But when worship is merely window dressing for an entertainment performance, it cannot please God. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program tonight, we've got Tanner Adams from uh, Galesburg, Illinois, joining us on the program tonight, talking about the once saved, always saved doctrine. And looking at what the scriptures teach, what we really want to look at is what the scriptures teach, and I think uh, Tanner is committed to that. We are as well, and so we believe we look at the scriptures together. We really appreciate Tanner. We really appreciate you joining us and talking about these things. Uh, It's really important. Uh, We we think it's extremely important. I know you do too, and that and that and it's important that we have that in common. Let 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 us take you to some questions that emailers sent in when they knew about our program tonight. I've got. We're not going to be able nearly to cover them all, but I've got an email from Jim in Kentucky who uh, references Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. 
uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 20 through 23, Peter said that Simon's heart was not right, that he needed to repent because he was wicked, that he needed to pray for forgiveness, that he was currently in the bond of iniquity and sin, verse 23. So, uh, why would, why would Peter give those instructions to Simon the sorcerer, a, a saved person? He had, earlier in the chapter, he'd been baptized by Philip. Uh, he believed and was baptized. So whether you, whether a person takes the view of faith only or whether a person takes the view of the necessity of baptism for the remission, uh, remission of sins, either way, the text would clearly define him as a saved person who had believed. The Holy Spirit said he believed, uh, and that, and he was also baptized. Why would Peter give him the instructions to, to repent, uh, warn him that his heart was not right, uh, and that he was in the bond of iniquity? I think, well, your, your audio didn't come back as strong there, Tanner. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, here, yeah, let me turn, see if I can turn you up a little bit. Uh, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, why do you say that to sorcerer? Because uh, it's true. Well, what, could he? What if he had refused to do what Peter told him to do? In other words, he won't repent, uh, and he won't pray, uh, and and he continues in this course of action. I know one thing that would not happen, and that is he would not lose his salvation if he was saved. Now, what would happen? Probably a lot of things. Chastisement. Um, like I said, there's a lot of things that. That could happen to a Christian if he lives in sin. But I know one thing that would not happen, and that he would not lose his salvation. Okay, all right. That's that's. I mean, I understand. That's your answer. I don't agree with that answer, but I agree. I understand your answer. What about the book of Hebrews, uh, Tanner? Uh, how does that fit into your dispensational uh, process, your theology? Um, the same as all the other general epistles. So it w- it would be. So here's a question from Jim in Kentucky. In in chapter 6 of Hebrews, verse 4 through 6, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted of the good word of God, the power of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again into repentance. Yeah, I believe that 100%. Okay, so some would fall away. Yes. But they'd still be saved. Uh, No, these people lost their salvation. Well, now that seems to contradict what you've explained to us before. No, because, like I said before, during the tribulation period, which this will be applicable to, you can lose your salvation. If now, you what, would be, what would be in this text that would... So, uh, for the sake of our listeners, uh, make sure I'm understanding you correctly also. The tribulation period, that's, so you believe in a future pre, uh, millennial kingdom on earth. You're a premillennialist. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so... So Jesus is going to. So the, the saints are going to be raptured, and then there's going to pe- be a period of seven years of tribulation before yes, the Lord returns to set up His millennial kingdom. Am I right? Yes, sir. By your Absolutely. view, I don't. I don't agree with that. I, I'm, I'm an amillennialist, but I, I, I don't believe that. But so you're saying that that this statement in Hebrews applies just to that seven year period of tribulation after the resurrection and before the the establishment of the millennial kingdom. I would say the verses you specifically pointed out, yes. How would you know that? But, but, but there is, well, just comparing this with the Pauline epistles and comparing this to what happens during the tribulation period, I mean, it's very clear. And also, who's he writing to? Writing to Hebrews. Yeah, he's, he's writing to the Jews who were on the verge of giving up their faith in Christ. Right. The book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians who are about to go back to Judaism, give right. up their faith in Christ, and he's warning them of what would happen if they did. Uh, All I, right, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, can you, once you lose your salvation, can you get it back? Yes. I just said here it's impossible. That is possible. That there's this, that you can get to a point. Well, that, and that, it's that impossible when a person stays in that state of rejection. It says, it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Yeah, because of the condition they've allowed themselves to get to. So it's impossible for these people to get saved again. In their condition, yes. As long as their heart is in that status, yes, it's impossible. You can't reach a person whose heart... But it it says it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Correct. To to even get them to a repentant heart, it's impossible to get them there. There are, that, that that is a possibility. You I know get, I've, I've known of people that, and, I, and no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get them to repent. 
so yeah, uh, people reach that point, uh, and I think the Hebrew writer is describing such people. He said uh, they are people who have tasted the good word of God, uh, t- tasted the heavenly gift. They were partakers of the Holy Ghost. They tasted the good word of God. If they shall fall away, in other words, they've they've, they've experienced all that Christianity has to offer, and they've turned their back on it, and they've put themselves in. Uh, in Second Peter chapter two, uh, Peter says it's like. The dog returning to his own vomit again. Uh, they, they, in Second Peter chapter two, beginning verse twenty, Peter clearly describes people who were saved individuals. Uh, he says there, uh, they've escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So the reason why the latter end is worse with them, and this is almost identical to what the Hebrew writer is saying, the reason why they're in such a bad shape is because they've heard everything that there is to say. They 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 know. In other words, you can't t- go in and re- and talk to them and say, "Well, let me show you from some, from the scriptures." No, they know the scriptures and they've turned their back on it. That's why it's impossible uh, to renew them. Uh, real quickly, let me take you to uh, 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 Jim's. Got one more. Okay, go ahead. Jim connects a couple verses in First Corinthians, uh, Tanner. First uh, Corinthians three. Verse 16 or verse 17. If any man defile, or sorry, verse 16, let's start at verse 16. First Corinthians 3 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwell within you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Yeah. And that was basically, also, that was one of your uh, key, key passages in your video, Tanner. In which you suggest the idea of that you can't can't be lost. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you look at, I would I would just start at verse fifteen. You start at verse sixteen. If you look at verse fifteen. It's clear that even if all your works burn up, you are still saved. Yes, so as by fire. But uh, so yeah, and works that works have nothing to do with your salvation. And this right here, verse sixteen, talking about chastisement. Um, here in First Corinthians chapter five, I believe. Um, one second. It's where the guy was having a uh, fornication with his father's wife. In chapter right. five, yeah. Chapter five. All right, one second. I gotta try to find it really quick. Nope, it's not that one. It's a. Uh, there it is. First uh, Corinthians eleven thirty is different stages of God's chastisement. <clears throat> it says, "For this for this cause, many are weak, sickly, and many sleep." So that's that's uh, some stages of God's chastisement. Let me take you. Make. Let me take you back to First Corinthians thirteen because I think you've taken it out of context. First, first Corinthians three. First Corinthians three. I mean. Yeah. Um, that that the things the, the man's works being destroyed are are the the work of the evangelist there. Paul is talking about his work as uh, a planter or a waterer, um, and the folks falling away who he had planted, who he had converted, yeah, yeah, and they're burned, they're destroyed because he's we're building up a temple. We, we are the temple of God, and there are people who will defile the temple in that context. And are going to be destroyed. They're going to be burned up. But Paul was still going to be saved. The preacher, the teacher is not going to suffer because those that he taught potentially are lost. If you take that passage in its entire context, you'll see that that's what it's talking about. In fact, it is teaching that one could be lost. Uh, Paul was worried about that because he had been working for these brethren. and He's worried that they'd be lost. They'd be burned. Uh, he's going to be saved, but he wants them to be saved as well. All right. So let's. All right. So that's totally not right. Uh, let's look at verse 12. If any man build upon this foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what Paul is doing. <laughs> it doesn't say if I, Paul, build on this foundation. No, look at verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I what? have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So 
Paul Paul laid the foundation. We build thereupon. Right. If any man build upon this foundation, wood, hay, stubble, this is our works, not Paul's works. Well, but it, but the ones who's building on the foundation are those who are taking the gospel. That Paul laid the foundation, and we t- and we build upon that foundation as we take saved the gospel and convert saved individuals. You're laying, it, yeah, right. And those saved individuals can be burned. They can be destroyed. No, that's what that's the whole we're, context. We're, saved individuals are building upon the foundation Paul laid. Yeah, and they're building a temple, right? This this is not no, <laughs> no, it's not. It's talking about your works. It's talking about those who he was teaching and converting. Let's, let's move on from that. We, we, no, we're, hitting, we're hitting a brick wall on that one. Uh, you were going to you were going to connect Jim First uh, Corinthians three sixteen to he he connects it to First Corinthians six eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, and Tanner said he believes that's just chastisement. Which yeah, uh, um, yeah. okay. Let, let me let's let's move on. We're going to run out of time quickly, Tanner. I, we've got so much to cover. Uh, yes. And again, really appreciate you uh, working with us on it. Here's a question from Dwight in Iowa. He says in First Timothy four one, Paul says, "Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons." He, he Dwight asks, "How is it that the inspired writer Paul can say some will depart from the faith if the theory of once saved always saved is uh, is is that that you can't depart from the faith?" Uh. That's because I would think I would say that you guys don't understand. Oh, not you guys, but whoever wrote that don't understand. One saved, always saved. They have this Calvinistic view in their mind. Well, that you, can, you can, cannot, a person, can a person depart from the faith and still be saved? I believe so. Yeah, okay. I, I believe you can, you can you can apostatize doctrinally and practically. And still so be de- saved. depart from the faith, not have faith. It doesn't say they didn't have faith. They departed from it. Well, is, it, is this talking about faith in Jesus Christ or sound doctrine? I don't know how you make a distinction between those two things, actually, but uh, maybe. You well, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be messed up doctrine. If you guys don't believe that, and that, that's kind of a. Well, yeah, right. We, I, I, I believe that. Yeah, I, I think so. I believe that. And he's uh, talking about sound doctrine here. He's not talking about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, quickly moving on. I got an email. I, I got a question for you guys, though. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins. I probably we would all agree with that. Right, yes. right. Now, was that all sin? He he died for our sins. If we avail ourselves of that of that act of grace, no. But he died, did he die? Did he die for all of your sins? Like the moment you get saved, were you forgiven for all of your sins, past, present, future? I was for no. I do not believe that. I forget. I believe that I was forgiven of my past sins that I repented of. I believe that I can be forgiven of any sin I commit now or in the future if I repent and seek His forgiveness. But it's not an unconditional. It's not a blanket. It's, it's 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 not a blanket forgiveness that just happens and and therefore I, I never have to think about it again. First John one verse nine would say that we're not cleansed of our sins if we don't confess our sins. Yeah, I would say that. Talk about fellowship. But uh, so Jesus only died for your for your past sins. You only forgive him for your past sins. Well, that's the only sins I've got. When I when I become a Christian, the only sins I've got are my past sins. Now I'm gonna well, I'm gonna be like I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen, and it has happened in my life. I'm gonna do like Simon the Sorcerer did. I'm gonna sin after I was saved. Right. And then what I'm going to do is I'm gonna do what Peter told Simon the Sorcerer to, to do: repent and pray for an, a, a renewed forgiveness. Uh, it's not automatic, but but when I sin after having initially been so when I initially become a Christian, I'm forgiven of my past sins. Thankfully, I I'm in a relationship then wherein I can seek ongoing forgiveness. When I when I sin again, I can confess and repent and pray and be but forgiven you, anew. But you lose your salvation. Well, if I don't repent and if I don't confess and I don't pray for any of my sins then I will be lost. One sin is enough to send me to hell. All right, so do you, lose, do you lose your salvation the moment you sin, or do you lose it when you choose not to confess it? Um, uh, we may be whittling on God's end of the stick there, but uh, uh, all, so, so a guy comes to me, Tanner, and says, i got to tell you, 
I lied. I, I, I told a I told a terrible lie at work today. What should I do? Am, am I lost? Uh, did, was I lost the moment I told that lie at work today? What should I do? I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to try to split that hair. I'm going to say, man, you need to. You need to confess and repent and pray right now, so that you are in a right relationship with God. That's that's what I would. That's all the thing I have authority to do. Yeah, that, that's what I would do too. Okay. But I wouldn't say you lost ever. I would never say that you lost your salvation. I, I don't know that it matters whether I think he lost his salvation or not. That's all on God. That God's taking care of all that business. My business is right. to teach. So, so why are you debating if you, that you can lose your salvation if it doesn't matter? Well, the scriptures teach us that it can. can. I, I believe it's so. Different. So should we not care? Should we not care if someone lost their salvation? We yeah, we care. absolutely do care. We, you we, said it didn't matter. No, I didn't. I don't. I, I don't know how. I, I don't know what you got out of what I said. It does matter. It absolutely matters. And I'm going to tell that guy, just as quick as he asked me what to do, I'm going to tell him, repent, pray, uh, 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 repent, confess, and pray for forgiveness. Because you're in, you're in, your soul's in jeopardy. Trying to touch some more emails here quickly. Ethan sent in an email. He said, what about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, 1 through 11, as they are struck dead for lying to the Holy Spirit? Right, yeah, that's physical death. That'd be one of the steps to uh, chastisement. But they died a liar, right? Or they not? They're not. They weren't liars. They just lied. Right. Well, how many lies does it take for you to lose your salvation? We can go through this again if you want. No, no, no. Okay. Um, hey, um, and then uh, Roger sent in an email. I wanted to ask from Roger's email. I wanted to ask about Hebrews two one through four. Yeah. We can drift away and neglect our great salvation. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So can we drift away? Uh, can we neglect a, our great salvation? A Christian? Yes. Yes. Because those words were pinned it's to Christian. It's talking about a Christian. Yeah, right, right. Uh, those words were pinned to Christian. So why would uh, why would there be such warning? I, 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 this is, this is a, I think, a strong argument. You probably saw this on our video. One of the arguments that we make against the notion of once saved, always saved, is that the scriptures are just rife with warnings. Uh, why would there be so many warnings if it is not, in fact, possible to be lost once you're saved? And again, uh, a lot of these warnings you're going to find are in the general epistles. I, mean, we, I, I, I don't think you've brought up one, maybe a couple from the Pauline epistles, First Corinthians. But uh, a lot of these warning passages you, you see are in the general epistles. Like I said, there's a there's a double application there. There's an application. Well, here, here's a great. If you want one from Paul, yes, First Corinthians chapter nine, right. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse uh, twenty-seven. Paul says, "I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway." Why would Paul have to work at that? How could he possibly be a castaway? Because it's possible for a Christian to, to fall away, to backslide. Well, but why? But yes, he didn't say it, unless I lose my salvation. So he could, uh, he could uh, be a castaway uh, and, and still be saved. He can be unprofitable, absolutely. Okay. And 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 just so we're on the record, he could also, um, he could also commit adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, jealousies. Emulations, wrath, all those, and still be saved. Yes. Okay. Now, I want to go to something, uh, Tanner. I think the connection you made is... is and again, I, I think your guys' uh, arguments fall because you can't tell me when the point I lose my salvation. Is it when I commit the act, or is it when I decide not to confess it, or is it when do I lose my salvation? Is it one sin? Is it living in sin? When is that point that I lose my salvation? Well, I I know what Isaiah chapter fifty nine uh, uh, Isaiah chapter fifty nine 
verses 1 and 2, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is the ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. All right. Now, so you have, a direct con- you have a direct conflict there with the Pauline where, where it says, Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Well, how, is- how do you justify that? How do you rectify that? I would say this is, this is uh, in context, talking to Israel in Isaiah chapter 59. Talking about Israel, right? Not not Christians, but if you want to apply that to Christians, you have to apply it spiritually. And this would be talking about our fellowship, how God is not hearing our prayers. So let me take you to um, uh, what I heard in, a, in a, another uh, discussion you had on this topic, uh, Tanner. You you said it this way that you did nothing to earn your salvation, right? So you can't do anything to keep your salvation. I think that's a good connection. I think it's very logical. And if I held to the idea that you don't do anything to be saved, I would. I think I would agree that you don't do anything to stay saved. But are, do you really believe there's nothing you have to do to be saved? Besides believe, there's nothing you do. What about confession? Do you have to confess? Call upon the name of the Lord? Yeah, I would say you have to call upon the name Yeah, Romans 10, verse 17, or verse 10. Yeah. So... But I believe believing is is goes hand in hand with calling out the name of the Lord. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. So um, do so. I have to confess. That's something I have to do. Call out the name of the Lord, yeah. yeah. Could I deny the Lord and still be saved then? Deny the Lord as in as not in, calling out on the name of the Lord? Or instead of confessing my faith in Him... Deny well, my faith in I, well, here's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're saying confession is confession before men. Romans 10 is not confession before men. It says, it's with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. With the mouth. Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No, Romans 10, verse 10 says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And this is talking about calling on the name of the Lord, verse 13. With the mouth, right? With the mouth. Absolutely. Confession is made mouth, unto salvation. Mouth, baptism. Water baptism has nothing to do with calling on the name of the Lord. I didn't. I didn't. Well, we're not going to talk about that tonight, but we would obviously differ about I just that. Want to, I just want to plug that in there. <laughs> we, believe it, we believe it does mean uh, does include uh, water baptism, but it's not in. This, it's not. In, it's, it's not in this verse. This is verse is talking about oral confession. Yeah. Oral confession with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. So I do need to confess my faith in Christ with my mouth. To God. Yeah. From, with my mouth. Yeah, to God, yeah. So could I deny my faith with my mouth and be lost? This is talking about, I'm going to say it one more time. This is not talking about confession amongst men. Like Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. Correct. Two different things. What, so this, do, is, this is calling on the name of the Lord. Okay. That, to that, praying, that's where I was Praying to God. That's where I was headed. Jesus says I have to confess him before men to be saved. Right, two different things. <laughs> but but it says I have to confess him before men to be saved, right? And and again, you're talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, right? I'm talking about no before his death, burial, and resurrection, right? Yes. Yeah. This is he he he, he, he you, you, so you you don't think anything he taught in before his death, burial, and resurrection is applicable to us today? I, I didn't say that. I said. I do believe salvation was different for his death, burial, and resurrection. Absolutely. So I don't have to confess him before me. I don't have to confess him before men for him to confess me before his father. You do not have to confess Christ before men to be saved. No. And, and I and I can deny him before men and still be saved. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. All right. We're just all, but we're just all, but out of time, Tanner. I want to take you one last question from our listener Grant in Franklin, Tennessee. He references the uh, parable of the sower. Okay, and I know you're well familiar with that. It talks about the, the, the seed sown on the rocky ground, who, and that represents the man who hears the word, immediately receives right. it with joy, but he has no root in himself. Uh, and then he also talks about the seed sown among the thorns, who is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke out the word. So Grant's question here is, we see in the parable when the seed was sown in the rocky places and among thorns, the word was received... But because of affliction, persecution, worry of the world, deceitfulness of riches, the individuals fall away, become unfruitful. Now, would, would that would that suggest a situation where someone is initially saved, but then 
they lose it. Uh, what passage is that again? Is that Matthew 13, 18 through 23? 18 through 20. Let me get there real quick. I'm trying to find out what that verse says. There is no root, no root in them. Yeah. What, what verse exactly is it? Oh, let's see here. I'm trying to find it real quick. It might be in Luke. It's in Luke, I believe. Yeah, Luke eight thirteen. And uh, these people had no root in them. Well, but it um, says, but they believe. For a while, that verse says, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. So they, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't get strong. They didn't get deeply rooted in the faith, but they believed. The Holy Spirit says they believed. Jesus said they believed. So if faith saves us, these people were saved, weren't they? Again, uh, this goes into uh, dispensationally. I really don't want to hit that again. Okay. But, uh, so this, uh, this this passage just doesn't apply to us. But, but Luke chapter 8, I think it's very important to, to note that it says there is no root in them. And we know that Jesus Christ is the root and the offspring of David. I don't agree that that's what Rudy's talking about there at all, but I think he's just talking about that they weren't, they weren't well established in their, in their new faith. And finally from Frida tonight, Frida says, So if a baptized believer saved decides to denounce Jesus and murder, steal, and commit other sins, he will still be saved, the Holy Spirit will still dwell within him, and he will go to heaven. Read that, read that to him again. See if, uh, so. A bad, baptized believer, or go to say a saved person here, just so we don't have to talk about that, decides to denounce Jesus and murder, steal, and commit other sins, he will still be saved, the Holy Spirit will still dwell in him, and he will still go to heaven. If he's saved, yeah, absolutely. But then again, we can, we can bring up any kind of crazy stuff, and it, it probably would never happen. Okay, okay. Well, listen, we are out of time, Tanner, and I, I got to really express great appreciation to you for joining us uh, to talk about our differences. Obviously, we we are miles apart in our and what we understand the, the scriptures to teach, uh, and, and per, perhaps in the future we can talk some more. But for, for this time, I just want to thank you for your good demeanor and your kind disposition, and, and for your willingness to talk with us uh, about these things that we disagree about it's it's great but we you know bible whenever we're willing to study the bible that that's a that's a win-win yeah and you and just like you said you didn't feel like we adequately in our previous program had defined your position maybe we defined the position of the five-point calvinist but not your position by you being here tonight you helped us to understand your position better and that's uh that's beneficial and hopefully you understand ours a little better Oh yeah, yeah. I talked with Church Thanks, of Christ. I had, a, I had a debate with the Church of Christ guy a couple of months ago. So. Okay. Yeah, we, we appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule. Thanks, Tanner. Yep. Thank you. You guys have a great night. You too. All right. Good discussion tonight. Appreciate Tanner for for all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think that, and we'll have to go back and review that some. I I think there's a lot of uh, one of the great problems is that there's a, just sort of a a whole wide difference of definition. Uh, of, of terminology and so forth, and so if we, when we don't get our terms defined in, agree, uh, in, in the same way, we end up with different conclusions. All right. Okay. All right, uh, Kyle. Any comments from you on that side of the board tonight? No, we didn't get to you very much tonight. No, it's a great program. It's uh, a fast hour. It's always good to have someone who can, who wants to, and willing to defend what they believe. So as we're supposed to be. So. Right. Yeah. We, we didn't get we didn't get to monitor our, our chat room tonight. Uh, and, and there's also some comments in, uh, in the YouTube chat window, and, and so we've we've obviously just been busy talking with Tanner, uh, and we hope you all understand that we didn't get to all of the things that were mentioned in no, the responses. There were good comments in the email, so we didn't. Lots get to, of good. We apologize for that. There's yeah. too much to talk about tonight. Yeah. All right. Well, Dad, thanks for your time. Thanks, Again, Jake. Thanks to Tanner. Thanks, Tanner. For, for being Thank here. you. And uh, if anyone else is willing to come on and talk, I mean, I think our listeners hopefully saw tonight that we're not going to get ugly. There's no reason to get ugly. We're not trying to win a fight. Um, we're just wanting to talk about the Bible. So if you're willing to do that with us, we would welcome you at any time to get in touch with us. Questions at collegeu.com. Yeah. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.